Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning. I trust you're having just a wonderful morning. And if you are, enjoy it. Amen. Each day is a blessing from God, a gift from God. Let me say hi to those who might be visiting with us today. If you're a first-time attender, we really are thankful for you being here. We have others who kind of visit with us periodically, and we're grateful for you as well. And we appreciate you taking your time to worship the Lord with us this morning. If you're visiting with us online, and there's a host of folk who do, you know, we live stream our services Sunday morning, evening, and Wednesday night, and so we'd like to welcome them into the service. And we always like to tell them this, if they're in the area, we want them to stop by and see us, right? Amen. And this is the kind of church where you go out of your way and come visit with us. And we love to greet you and welcome you personally. So we're glad you're here this morning. As Bob had said, I'm be preaching this morning out of the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. And so let me invite you to join me there. Luke chapter 15. And what you have here is timeless truth given to us by the Savior. In fact, in verse number 3, Jesus said this. He spake this parable unto them. And this is a unique parable because this parable contains three, three separate stories illustrating the same truth, right? And so you have three different stories with one common truth or one thread of truth that connects all three stories. And I want you to see it with me uh, as we read through. Look at verse number four. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse four, what man of you having a hundred sheep If he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And so the very first story Jesus begins to tell in this parable is a story about a shepherd and his sheep. You with me? Look in verse number eight. There's a second story. In verse number eight, Luke 15, verse eight, either what woman... Having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. So this is the second story. And this story is about a woman and her coin. So you have the story in verse number four about a shepherd and his sheep. And then in verse number eight, you have a story about a woman and a coin. And then in verse number 11, chapter 15, verse 11, third story. Jesus said this, and a certain man having two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And the father he divided unto them his living. And look at verse 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country and there and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And so that's the third story, right? And this story is about a father and a son. So the first story is about a sheep and a shepherd, a shepherd and a sheep. The second story is about a woman and a coin. And then the third story is about a father and son. Three stories, one parable, one common truth. And here's the common truth. The one thing they all have in common, the common thread, the common truth that kind of networks them together is the fact 
that something was lost. Lost. We read in, verse, in the first story about a lost sheep. In the second story, we read about a lost coin. And then in the third story, we read about a lost son. They're lost, right? Lost. Think about that word lost for a moment. Isn't that an interesting word? Lost. Do you ever just every once in a while pause and, and, and a word just grab a hold of your attention? You know, there's some words that we just use every single day of our lives. And sometimes we don't give attention to the impact or the implication uh, or, or the meaning or the depth of that word. Think about that word lost. That's an interesting word. Um, it, 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 you know, if you think about it, uh, at the core, at the core, it means this. Now, you know what it means, but at the core, it means unable to find your way. We might add this. We might add this to it. Um, confused, aimless, without direction. Lost. You're just unable to find your way. You know, you're just without direction. And sometimes we use it uh, in, in ways like this, different ways. Uh, it, might, it might imply being lost in direction. Did you ever get lost? You know? Now, today we have, what do we have? We have GPS, right? But that, did, 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 did GPS ever get you lost? <laughs> you know? And then you know what it does to you? It recalculates, right? And so, but there's times when we would say in in, in describing or defining that word lost, it's, you know, we're lost in our direction. We're heading someplace and all of a sudden we get turned around, right? Uh, We may also use it in relation to an item. Did you ever lose something? Did you ever lose your keys? Isn't that like the worst? You know, your keys or your wallet. And And then somebody says, what are you doing looking for your keys? Well, it's probably the last place you left them. Really? Really? That was really helpful, you know? I never forget one time, dropped my keys overboard on the boat. Oh, my soul. Remember that, Donna? Oh, man, I didn't know what to do. I, I dove in, tried to find them. They were gone. They were gone. Thankfully, we were, we were down the seashore as well. Thankfully, my wife had an extra set of keys to the car and to the house and everything else, or we were, you know, lost. And then I think sometimes we might uh, use it in relation to an activity or a game, right? I was sitting there minding my own business, and one of the ushers who sat right next to him, I won't mention his name, his first name is John, his next name is Torres. He said, I hope the theme uh, or the title of your message today has nothing to do with the Eagles game later. And I thought for a second, I know he's not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but he's, he's a fan of the worst team in the NFL right now, the Oakland Raiders or the L.A. Raiders. You know, John's back there listening to me. So, uh, but every once in a while, we might use the word lost, you know, in relation to an activity. Or, you know, hey, how did the team do yesterday? They, they lost, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah. But, but when you use the word lost in a biblical sense, it changes everything, doesn't it? I want you to listen to me just for a little bit. I want to ramble on for a little bit, and then I promise you I'll give you something to take with you. But when you, when, you, when you think about lost in a biblical sense, it often refers to a person's eternal condition. Huh? And why, why would we say that? Have you ever heard that? You know, we've been around church for a while. How many of us have been around church for a while? And, and you, you think about someone who is in our society who doesn't know Christ, we would say... We refer to them, we label them as being lost. 
Why is that? Do we just come up with that on our own? Is that something we concocted as a church? No, the Bible says this. Jesus said, the Bible says this about Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. So, so the Bible describes people in our society who are born without, of course, Christ. Everybody's born without Christ. And people who have yet to be born again, the Bible describes these individuals to be lost eternally. In other words, they are living life aimlessly. They're wandering around aimlessly. They have no direction. And so Jesus Christ came to earth seeking them. Why? Why is that? Because a lost person is too lost to seek him on their own. Look here. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. How many of us say, man, I'm glad he did. I'm so glad he did. Because I was lost. I was wandering through life aimlessly, but now, now I know Jesus. And so sometimes when you look at the word lost in a biblical sense, we, we kind of think about a person's eternal condition, right? And everybody is born into this world lost. And I'm glad Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, like you and I. But then sometimes I think it refers to life. Life. And I've, I've often said this, I've heard it said many, many years ago, and it's one of those statements that stuck with me, and I often say this and use this phrase, that you can have a saved soul but a lost life. Huh. Did you ever hear that before? If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard me say it before, and it really is a possibility. How many of us understand that concept? You can have a saved soul but a lost life. You can know Christ is your Savior and be saved but not living your life according to his perfect will and just be living life aimlessly, wandering around aimlessly. I know people like that. I know people who have given their life to Christ or they've given their soul to Christ. They've accepted Christ as their savior, but they've not surrendered their all to his perfect will for their lives. And so they're living their life without enjoying God's best for them. How about that? And so it's possible then to have a saved soul, but a lost life. And so when you look at the word lost in a biblical sense, sometimes it refers to a person's eternal condition. Sometimes it refers to a person's life. You know, they're just living life on their own. They're not seeking God's best for them. And that's what we said some, some time ago. We did a little message on the will of God. How do you define the will of God? And here's the best way I found to define it. It's living in God's best for my life. God's will is God's best for my life. And I want God's best for my life. How about you? I'm glad you do. But I, I want to I take a turn this morning. And I want to look, look at this, uh, this word uh, in a biblical sense. And, and use it to kind of talk about perspective. Perspective. Huh? There are some times we live life having lost our perspective. Say amen right there. How many of you know what perspective is? How many, can you, can you kind of, can you wrap your brain around it? You kind of understand, we talk about perspective. What, what is perspective? Uh, basically, perspective is the way you view something. It's the way you see something. It's the way you compute something, right? Uh, uh, the, the, the Greek word or, or the way to define it, it basically simply means this, to look through. So perspective is to look through. That's why every once in a while we'll say this. You ought, to get a, you ought to get a biblical perspective or begin to see things through God's eyes. 
You ought to begin to see things through a, a scriptural lens. You ought to begin to see things the way God sees things, right? Perspective. But I don't know if we understand this. Our perspective influences and sometimes develops our conclusions. You're real quiet. Are you still here? Thank you for that. She said, preach it. <laughs> perspective, and I, I, I'm not sure how much you understand this, but it influences and develops our conclusions. For example, if, if your perspective about church is, it's really not that important, then you probably don't go. Are you with me? Huh? See, your perspective determined or influenced your conclusion. Church, you know, I, maybe at one point in time it was important, but right now I don't think it's that important. And so if that's your perspective, what's your conclusion? You probably don't go or you don't go regularly. You become a C&E Christian. You know what a C&E Christian is? Yeah, it's a Christmas and Easter Christian. And thank God for those who come Christmas and Easter. It fills the room. Right? Uh, for example, if your perspective about the future is, hey, listen, it'll take care of itself, it'll take care of itself, then you probably don't take care of yourself. <laughs> right? Uh, you probably don't save money. You probably have no... Why? Because the future is going to take care of itself. So your perspective determines or influences your conclusions. Are, are, are you with me? And here's the sad fact that many in our society and many in Christ, in church, in the body of Christ, have kind of lost their perspective. We have lost our perspective. And, uh, and, and what happens is life, uh, circumstances and life has a way of just kind of blinding us and, and causing things to get cloudy. And when that happens, I'll tell you, we begin to, we begin to wander in, in, in life aimlessly. You know, we're just wandering around and we're, we're really struggling with things. There's at least two faulty perspectives that we entertain when we lose our perspective. And here they are. Here's two faulty perspectives. The first is this. The first is we ruminate. We ruminate. You know what that, that kind of talks about, ruminate? It's when you and I spend most of our time looking back. I talk to a lot of people who are living their lives in the past. Now, pay attention right here. If we get no further, if you get nothing else from this today, don't miss this. There's a lot of people who live their lives looking through the rearview mirror. Uh -huh. It's all about the past. And, and, and not so much that we worry about the past, but we are ruminating or we're just we're in the past. And here's the thing. When you're looking in the past, you can't move forward. And life is all about moving forward, right? Isn't that right? And so one of the faulty perspectives that sometimes we gain when we've lost our perspective is we ruminate or we begin to just keep, keep dwelling in the past, keep talking about the past, keep living in the past, keep allowing the past. Are you with me? Allowing the past to control our, our present or the very moment that we're living in. We ruminate. A second faulty perspective is we trespass. We trespass. What? We trespass. Think about this with me. We worry about the future or we fret about tomorrow. And let me fill you in on something about tomorrow. Tomorrow does not belong to you. Tomorrow does not belong to me. Tomorrow belongs to God. And so when I begin to live in tomorrow, I'm, tr I'm trespassing into God's territory. 
Huh? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. I'm not saying that we shouldn't look forward. However, I'm talking about when you and I begin to worry and fret, you know, and be overwhelmed by what might happen tomorrow or next week or next month, we are trespassing, and that's a faulty perspective. Are you with me? Huh? And so perspective is really important. And I, and I think we need to understand, you know, biblically, a, a good biblical perspective, see things through God's eyes. And what that does for me, at least, it takes me back to the, the early day of Christ's ministry. And pay attention here. After Jesus selected his team, you know, in Matthew's gospel, chapter number four, if you remember, he, he was walking about and he begins to gather some individuals together and he, and he builds his team, his ministry team, right? And he, and he simply issues a call. What was the call? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And many responded. And the Bible says after they began to follow him, he took the time to train them. And so in Matthew chapter 4, he issues the call, follow me, and people from all different walks of life begin to follow him. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he begins to train them, and he shares with them, you know, the, the most important aspects of his life and what he wants them to do. And then he commissions them. He sends them out to do ministry. Are you with me? And one of the things Jesus did, and I really appreciate this, is he held them accountable and inspected their ministry. He would oftentimes come and, and just have a little powwow with them, making sure they have not lost their perspective. Uh, because life has a way, circumstances have a way, are you paying good attention, of getting in the way and causing us to lose our perspective, right? And so he gathers them together. And in one place in Scripture, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16, look at the screen, verse 13, look at the screen. Uh, Jesus says this, he gathers his team together, says when he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? That's a great passage of scripture. And Jesus is talking to his team and, and he's basically saying this, he's basically asking these guys if they remember what he's called them to do. Right? What, what, what's the, what's the, the idea? What are people saying? And they respond to him. You can read that text in the next verse. Uh, he talks about how, how they said, well, some are identifying you, speaking about Jesus, some are identifying you with John the Baptist and, and Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, that's the response. So Jesus says, so when you're out there doing ministry, uh, what are people saying about me? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, man, they, they, they're kind of comparing you with Jeremiah, Jer John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then Jesus said this, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You can read that in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 16. I promise it's there. And, and they said, and Peter, Peter speaks up. Peter speaks up and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, he, in fact, he talks about a title. You are the anointed one. And then Jesus said this, and, and here's a proclamation in, in chapter number 16, verse, flip it, verse 18. And, and he said, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right? So now Jesus is in dialogue with his, with his team. Right? Who do men say that I am? He's checking up on them. Who do you say that I am? Hopefully they've not lost their perspective. And Peter steps up. You know, the spokesman, and he says, Thou art the Christ, you're the anointed son of God. 
And then Jesus makes a proclamation, I will build my church and it will succeed. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But then he says something extremely interesting and here's the message. In verse 19, look at the screen. He said this, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Wow. I'll give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Look, look. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Man, that's some authority. Don't you agree? That's some power there. He says to them, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a set of keys. And here's the truth. Here's the truth about those, those keys. Those keys, these keys unlock heaven for those on earth. And so when someone, pay attention here, when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it's kind of like as if the door to heaven has been unlocked. Isn't that awesome? Huh? I love, I was just reading this this morning. I was reading a little devotional this morning, and the, the person in the devotional I was kind of saying something like this, you know, for themselves, they said, it, it, never, it never gets old. It's always exciting to see someone accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. I mean, you just never tire in seeing someone get saved, whether you lead that person to the Lord or you're a part of it, you know, you're with somebody and that person leads or you hear about it. You know, Carrie walked into the office with Tyler last week and told me about someone who called the church. You know, looking to get baptized. And in the discussion, Carrie began to say to the person, well, yeah, sure, we baptize here, but do you know Christ is your personal Savior? And right over the telephone, Carrie led that lady to the Lord. I'm not sure if she's ever come. Her name, I forget her name, but, uh, but she got saved. So Carrie's in my office telling me, and I was getting excited just hearing that. I mean, just think about it. Somebody calls the church randomly, you know, and, and all of a sudden you're in a discussion leading that person to a saving knowledge. And what we believe about that is this. When we share the gospel and when that person gets saved, we have the keys to unlock, unlock the door for that person to get to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? And then God gives them a set of keys. <laughs> he gives them a set of keys. I'll never forget when I became old enough to get a copy of my own house key. I remember that. I don't remember how old I was. Um, but I remember when, you know, you know, kids growing up, you know, when I was a kid, you know, my parents didn't give me a key right away. I wasn't eight years old and had a key to the house. You know, my mother and father didn't trust me enough for that, for sure. But I remember when, when I got old enough to where I got, got a house key. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Remember those days? I don't know what they do today. You know, uh, it's, we live in such a different world. You probably you know, let yourself in through your phone or uh, who knows. You definitely have to lock your door, right? But I remember, I remember the day when I got the house key. And I also remember this. With the house key came a discussion. Huh? It just wasn't a key put in an envelope left on the table that said, son, here's the key. No, it was mom, dad saying, okay, we're going to give you the key to the house. But with it, but with it comes certain responsibilities. With it comes certain responsibilities. And they, they laid them out. They lay, laid out the responsibilities that they wanted to make sure. Are you guys with me? They laid out the responsibilities that they wanted to make sure I understood. 
responsibilities. Uh, and, and this all has to do, this all has to do with our perspective. Because when God gives us the keys to the kingdom, he also gives us responsibility that goes along with it. And I remember this. Now, my parents didn't articulate to me the way I'm going to articulate to you. But pretty much this is what they said when they gave me the key. The very first thing they said was this. Flip it. This is not your house. You just live here. Say amen right there. <laughs> right? Father, my dad gave me the key or my mother gave me the key. I really don't remember which. It was probably my mother. But along with it came the responsibility that, remember, son, this is not your house. You just live here. It's amazing that when I was young, I used to despise some of the things I heard my parents say. Huh? And I don't remember back to, I don't remember how old I was when I got the key. I think I, think I was about 21 when they gave me the house key. <laughs> That's when I became trustworthy, you know, probably not. But, uh, and, but I, I, and I don't remember all the details, you know, but I probably thought, because I know me, I probably thought when they kind of came up with that conclusion there, this is not your house, you just live here, you know, I probably had an attitude. What do you mean by that? Huh? And there were several things that I remembered really not liking, you know, growing up that my parents would say to me, you know? And, and I thought, you know what? Huh. But guess what? As I got older and had my own house, guess what I began to do? Say the same things to my kids. And I remember many times, maybe not like that, but saying to my children the same thing. Hey, this ain't your house. You just live here until the time I kick you out. Huh? But if we put that, if we put that in, you know, a biblical sense, the house belonged to my parents. Correct? It really wasn't my house. You know, I was permitted to live there, you know, and there was a set of responsibilities that came with living there. And there was a set of responsibilities that came with that key. And I know this, I know Jesus said, in my father's house, in my father's house, are you, are you with me? This is not our house. It belongs to the Lord. And we need to keep that, we need to keep that in mind. We're just stewards, not owners of what he's given us. Say amen right there. And we need to be responsible for what the Lord has given us. And I can go in so many different directions with this thought, but I want to keep it true to the message of our perspective. You know, why am I here? What is my purpose for being? And am I fulfilling my purpose for being? Are you with me? I'm just a steward. It's not my house. It belongs to him. And he's given me responsibility to maintain or take care of. And one day to give an answer for. Another thing they said to me was this. They said this, uh, and again, these, I'm just putting it the way I thought it to be said. Be careful who you let in. Now, I do remember that. And I also remember every time that they would go away when I got to be old enough to stay by myself, you know, uh, I remember them saying, we're going away. Don't you let anybody into this house that's not on the list. Huh? 
I'll never, ever, ever, never forget this. One day, I brought home a fella for dinner. In my house, when I was growing up, our house was kind of like the flop house. You know what a flop house is? Everybody came to our house. Friends came to my house. Just the way it was. And I'll never forget this one day, I brought this kid home for dinner. And, uh, and uh, we sat down, we all sat down to, to eat. And after dinner, he left, and my father just, he blew a, a, a circuit. I mean, his, his fuse blew. And he started yelling, and man, because my dad, you know, I mean, he was, you know, he was one of those yellers. He was kind of old yeller, you know. My mom was a hitter. My dad was a yeller. You know, my, my mother would clean your clock. She cleaned my clock many times, you know. My dad yelled. You know, he thought raising his voice was really getting the message, you know, uh, getting the message across. And, and I'll never forget this. And I have no clue as to how he knew this. But the fellow that I brought home, my parents didn't like. You know, and I found out later how he knew it. My mother went and told my father that this fellow who's here for dinner is not the kind of kid that we want our son to be with. And I mean to tell you, when, that, when he left after dinner, now my dad didn't do it while he was eating dinner, but after dinner, man, he had a fit and told me, don't you ever bring that kid back in this house here? And he went, he just threw it, you know? He went down the... And here's what I remember. Listen carefully. Our house was open to everyone, but everyone wasn't allowed in. <laughs> Did you get that? Our house was open to everyone, but everyone wasn't allowed in. And such is true in the Father's house. It's open to everyone, but not everyone is allowed in. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father, but by me, there's only one way to get in. Correct? But if we keep that true to our perspective, Paul reminds you and I to walk circumspectly, to be really careful what we let in, to be really careful, now pay attention right here, who and what we allow to influence us. To be real careful who and what we allow in our ears, what voices we allow. And sometimes we listen to all the wrong things. We're listening to people or voices that are just not helpful. They're not promoting God's plan for your life. They're not promoting God's will for your life. They're not promoting move forward, get out of the past. Are you with me? We're listening to all these voices that are not helping us. And we need to remember this. Everyone is welcome, but it doesn't mean everyone's allowed. We've got to be careful to gird up the loins of our mind and guard our perspective. Because time is short. Life is short, isn't it? And it goes by rather quickly. And I'll never forget this statement. You only get one life to live. But if you do it right, one is enough. And you and I just got to find out what God has in store for us and do it. Because this world in which we live in is so distracting. And there's so many things that try to occupy our attention that are not going to matter in eternity. Are you with me? And so we need to make sure that we're responsible with the keys. It's his house. Correct? We need to make sure we're careful who we let in. And this goes for me as well. I need to be careful with the voices that I allow into my head. And can I tell you the voice that speaks to me the most? My own. 
my own. And I need to be careful that, that I don't let my own voice, you know, just keep me ruminating or trespassing. I need to learn to live in the moment. God, what do you have for me right now today? I want to be actively engaged in what you have for me today. I want to do your will for my life today. Are you with me? And then, and then I remember this. <laughs> I remember this as bold as day. They said, don't lose the key. Don't lose the key. Now, I would love to tell you I never did, but I lost that house key more times than I like to admit. You know, would leave it in the pants of a, you know, my uniform or sporting, you know, at a sporting event and lost the key. However, I think you and I need to understand when it comes to, biblically speaking, spiritual terms, we need to hold on to that key with our life. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, he says, you know, verse 18, I'm going to build my church. And then in verse number 19, he says, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to allow you to advance my kingdom on earth. Are you with me? Don't lose the key. Don't lose your perspective. It's got nothing to do with salvation. They already had that, right? They already had that. Don't lose your perspective is what he's saying. Don't lose focus upon what I have in store for you, what the plan is for your life. Don't lose your perspective. Don't lose that key. Why? Listen carefully. Your perspective develops the conclusions of your life. Huh? Let's get real serious. Let's just bring this home. Your perspective influences and develops the conclusions of your life. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful we begin to see things a little bit differently than we're supposed to. We're not looking through a biblical lens or a scriptural lens or God's eyes. And before long, we begin to have just a, a wayward way of thinking. Huh? And the things that used to be important are no longer important. And the things that used to matter no longer matter. And what the Bible says we ought to be about, we're no longer about. And we begin to change our focus because our perspective's changed. We need to be really careful. Don't go through life lost. It's just too much to lose. Huh? And in that text, just in that one passage of Scripture, Luke chapter number 15, you see a lost soul, a lost life, and a lost perspective. Huh? We need to be really careful. Jesus seeks the lost. And I would hope that our testimony is, I once was lost, but not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. I have a saved soul. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm living my life according to God's perfect will. My perspective is on point. I'm trying to see things through God's eyes. I'm trying to th see things through a scriptural lens. And I think this, I think if that's, your, if that's your testimony, then you're well on your way to advancing the kingdom of God. God's given us the keys of the kingdom. Let's work to advance his kingdom. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.